Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for a car cast. Church Planner podcast. Car cast, baby. Mad Max style. Um, Really? You had to start off by going there? Oh, you know I was going there today. You know I told you I saw that movie, and it was just as dumb as I thought it was going to be. Pacific Rim. <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> Totally different story. Oh, how? That was the best worst movie ever made. What are you talking about? How? I don't know, man. I'm just thinking if you're going to make an action film, make it like Mad Max, nonstop from the moment it begins till the moment it ends. Nonstop action. Except for the old ladies riding motorcycles. I didn't make that up. That was really in the film. Yeah, that really was <laughs> in the film. I, I don't know, man. I, I told you I didn't think it was going to be that good. I think I was proven right. It really wasn't that good. If it had robots in it, uh, you know, I, I'd be all right with it. Yeah, if they had had robots, that would have been cool, but it wouldn't have been true to the Mad Max genre. I mean, there were people walking around. Hey, you were the one bringing up Pacific Rim, dude. I'm just, I'm, I'm pointing out. That's why Pacific Rim was great. It had robots. It, it did have robots, and, and I gotta drift. say though, you don't really get Pacific Rim until you've seen it in 3D. That's all I'm saying. And Mad Max, I, I would consider going to see it in 3D. Did you go see it in 3D? Well, why else? Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, is there I any other way to do it? I did it. I did it, and I still liked it. It was the story and the character development, which you, I found particularly are you helpful. Out of your mind? What <laughs> character development? <laughs> I'll pull in your leg. 
But I do got to say, I, I did go see the Avengers. By the way, welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. We talk about almost everything except church planning for the first 15 to 20 minutes. But I got to say, I saw Avengers 2, and I think I am the only man on the planet that actually thought that was better than the first Avengers. Everyone else said, oh, there was no character development. There was no plot. I'm like, are you kidding? That movie had way more character development in it than the other Avengers films. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, to me, Avengers was like the first one. It was good. I mean, I would have seen it. I'm glad I saw it, but I'm not rushing out to go buy it. Yeah, you know, I I didn't buy the first one. I'm kind of like you where it takes me a lot to buy a movie. It has to either have the word Hobbit or Tolkien or Ring on it. Or maybe, you know, probably two of the words like Wars and Star in it, and then I might buy it. Maybe America and Captain. Those are the words I look for. The words that they usually have to happen, for me, um, it's either got to have like zombie or World War and a Z in it. I mean, I'm just saying, that's usually what I look for when I buy a movie. Hey. World War Z, where whales saved the world again. Just saying. That the was whale. that. That was such a good movie, World War Z. I mean, I it was truly, an amazing movie. yeah. You know, and here's the thing, and I'm torn because I've literally seen it so many times. I mean, that one I did buy, and then it's it's also on Netflix right now, and I'm torn because, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't remember. That it was actually done in 3D. So now that I got the 3D set up at home, I could go buy it in 3D. But I've seen it so many times, I don't know that I would really enjoy it watching it in 3D. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But you know, um, the, the reason why we, we need to start our movie podcast. We just need to do it. We have two more podcasts in the work, everybody. One is Bivo Church Planting, and it's going to be all about all you guys who are Bivo, how to increase your business, how to get more customers, clients, patients, whatever it is that you're doing to uh, to basically generate your your income while you're out there church planting. We want to do a podcast specifically for you. That's actually the area where I excel as opposed to uh, Peyton, who clearly excels and all of the church planning stuff that we do, and developing a logo, I might add. Throw that in there. We've, we've already agreed that Pete won't let me talk on that podcast. <laughs> Pete won't let you talk. You know, here's the thing. I don't even think I could stop you from talking. You're a pastor. It's the <laughs> curse of the pastor. Like, Yes. I, I, that is I, the superpower which you do not possess. No, I just know how to rein mine back in. Like, <laughs> I, th- we've got, um, I, I can't, I can't bring out names, but there's a, a church that you and I both know where there's a couple of different pastors. And when they ask the second pastor to, uh, give the discussion questions, he can't just read the questions. He's got to go off for five, 10 minutes before giving the question to the uh, congregation to discuss amongst themselves. It's the curse of the pastor. Pastors yeah. can't shut up. It's, it's, that's, that's just true. what it is. Hey, it's like Wesley said, right? When he was training the students, he said, talk about God and talk about 10 minutes. Ooh, I never, well, yeah, the problem is you guys use that, you know, 10 minutes at a time. You guys had the at a time. Yeah, but we, we didn't have Wesley busting our chops. Wesley was a hard taskmaster on his students. 
he would make them ride something like a hundred miles a day. So they didn't become wimps. He'd tell them, I fear that we're all becoming milk sops because they started settling into pastorate. He had some, they were like hardened men, man. They were like, uh, now we always joke around about Shackleton's voyage. That's what it meant to be a Methodist back in the early days under Wesley, man. You grabbed the Bible, you grabbed the saddle, and you got ready to preach in the open air and get peed on. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, people climb trees and pee on you, so they had to learn not to uh, preach under trees in the shade. They had to go stand out in the sun. You would never make it as a Methodist, except you might be the one that stands under the tree and gets peed on. Actually, I would have stayed back in Ireland with all of my peeps. <laughs> Ireland, Scotland, Wales. I I think I really truly believe I was born on the wrong continent. I'm just saying. Oh man, I can so see you sitting in a pub in Ireland going, Top of the morning to (laughs) you. I can see it. The funny thing is, I I think I would love living there. What's that? I think I'd love living there. I think it'd be the greatest thing in the world for me. You would. It's cloudy all the time. You would love it, man. We need to go sometime. Oh, we do. We totally do. I think uh, one They'll of the funniest things that happened this They'll morning. They'll check immigration and go, hey, you need to stay here. We're keeping all the gingers we can. One of the funniest things that happened this morning was uh, the text that you sent me about our VA Benz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. I was dying when I saw this. Okay, so... We've got a full-time graphic designer who does um, basically the the two main magazines that I publish, the Church Planner uh, magazine, and then uh, we've got an MMA magazine. And then I, I still have a just an endless supply of other graphics that have to be done. And, and he's been with us for, man, we're actually coming up almost on two years. Do you realize that? No way. Yeah. It's been a long time. Wow. Wow. And um, and it, he works for us full time. He is hands down the best person I've ever had work for me. Ever. I mean, yeah. ever. He's really good. He's, he's great. The attitude is perfect. And I have hired just a ton of VAs over the years. Um, a VA stands for a virtual assistant. He lives in the Philippines. He works for us 40 hours a week. Um, uh, lives in the Philippines. And the reason why, you know, we hire people in the Philippines is because it is significantly cheaper, obviously, to hire someone from the Philippines than it is to hire them from the U.S. Uh, Like, the amount we pay him per month is equivalent to what someone in the U.S. would get for about a half a week's work. And I'm not making that up. I'm not, like, trying to exaggerate. Like, that's literally, and that's a good wage for him. In fact, it's, it's a great wage. Oh, yeah. And it's so really good. Yeah. And, and we've continued to give him raises over the years. And so he, he's, he's on vacation right now. He's on vacation for a week. This is literally the first vacation he's had in two years. So I guess we're bad employers, <laughs> but, <clears throat> but Hey, he's an independent contractor, man. He's got to figure out how he's going to do his own vacation. No. So he actually came to us about a month ago and said, Hey, look, um, I know as an independent contractor, I don't get vacation time, but I need to take this week off. Excuse me. Can you uh, let me make up my work by uh, working on Saturdays? And, you know, at this point, the dude could ask pretty much anything he wanted of me. Don't tell him this, right? But he could ask pretty much anything he wanted, and I'd give it to him because 
He's so good. He gets the work done. He doesn't complain. And one of the problems you have with a lot of graphic people is their ego gets into it, right? So if you're like, hey, can you change this? They get totally bent out of shape. And uh, and I'm definitely that way when someone asks me to do graphic work and then they change it. And they're like, oh, what if you did this? I'm like, dude, leave me alone, you know? But he's not. He's totally not that way. So, I mean, at this point, he could ask anything he wants. So he's on vacation this week. And Peyton texts me. In fact, you know what? Where is my phone? I got I to gotta read your actual text here. You found a picture on Facebook of what Benz is doing right now. Why don't you tell him what you saw? Yeah, so he was at, I don't know where it is. It, it might be in the Philippines. But it's called Enchanted World. And he was writing some log riding. It says Enchanted World. There was this album that he had put up all the things he's doing on this holiday. And it popped up on my newsfeed. So, so, oh, man, I just hit the link that you sent, that you texted me. Let me go back to it. So you put Ben's is having fun, rides, uh, riding rides at Enchanted World, unacceptable, fire him. And then you, you clicked it. <laughs> and then you wrote, hey, Ben's having fun, you're fired. <laughs> and then it gets you better. You're working for us, man. And then it gets better. Then you go, besides, Ben's is fat now. You've given him too much money. A skinny Ben's was humble and worked harder for us. And then you put hashtag bring back skinny Ben's. <laughs> I don't like this new Ben's who has fun and doesn't work for us. Which is so, comedy. So we've always joked. We've he's always not, joked by the way, about... he's not, he's not fat. He's not, he, it was, it no, was mocking the fact that he gets paid so little by U.S. standards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, and so, you know, it's all a, a, a sick joke because Pete and I, we've always joked about how we're like ruthless taskmasters with pins and we're anything but. Like, right. we've given him raises. We give him bonuses. We so appreciate this dude. He is such a cool guy. Um, we've taken really good care of him. I, I think, yeah, anyways, all that to say, um, the, the first year that he was working for us, he sent us a, an email and it's always super, you know, dear sirs, you know, blah, 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 please, sir, would you, you know? And so as he's writing this email, he asked for Christmas on and he's <laughs> like, I think he sends me this text. I think I'm going to give Christmas. Uh, I'm going to give Ben's Christmas off. What do you think? And I'm just dying. And, and, and I go, I go, wow, Scrooge. I'm like, you know, we, you know, wow, Scrooge, you're so generous. And so, you know, that's become an inside joke with Pete and I. I think another time, I think another time I was like, yeah, I'm going to give you New Year's off and the rest of the year. Go ahead and just take it all off, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, there's this ongoing kind of uh, interplay that Pete and I always have about how mean. And, And the reality is, is that we're always figuring out ways to give the guy a raise. Yeah, yeah, give him raise. I mean, he he just had a baby, his second. I don't know, maybe uh, five months ago now. I, I don't even remember. No, it had to have been longer than that, right? His was before mine. Yeah, so maybe maybe yeah. it's been like eight months, nine months. And uh, yeah. and you know, so we actually reached out to a missionary in the Philippines, and we're like, "Hey, dude, uh, here's a hundred bucks. Can you go buy him a whole bunch of baby clothes? And here's his address." And uh, and send it to them, and and they were great, and did that because the problem is you mail anything from the U.S. to the Philippines, it actually to to mail him a hundred dollars worth of goods from here would cost us a hundred and ten dollars in postage to get it there. So it's like it's it's yeah. ridiculous. 
So we just, you know, we paid uh, a missionary out there, gave the missionary 50 bucks and was like, hey, you know, buy $100 worth of stuff for this this guy over here and send it to him. That'd be great. So, uh, yeah. After like, the missionary took his 50% cut. <laughs> the missionary's like, oh, yeah, I mailed that to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I just gave him a card. They'll never know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, hey, we are pretty sick and twisted, Pete. You got to admit, I'm just hearing us right now. But hey, <laughs> the new know? listener right now is like, I thought I was going to learn about church planning, but instead I hear about these guys that are real jerks. You know what? I love the way that uh, I think it was Robbie Pitt. I was doing one of these tours, which is actually where I'm on my way to right now. The reason I'm doing a car cast is I'm actually on my way down to Long Beach to do a tour for a bunch of urban church planning students who are coming down. And uh, I'll tell you more about that in a second. But when I did, I did one a week ago, and I was with Robbie Pitt, who's the Sin City, uh, now that's S-E-N-D, um, Sin City Initiative, which is looking at a calling quality with Gateway City, and I'm involved on the uh, strategy team for that. Robbie Pitt is a guy who's the head over L.A., and uh, he he made the, the comment they were they were kind of advertising us to the guys who were on this tour, and he goes they do this uh, church planner podcast, and then he, he tried to describe it. And he goes, it's kind of like car talk. What about church planning? <laughs> that was a great description. Remember that show, Car Talk? No, I don't. Oh, it was a couple of, uh, I don't know if it's still on. It used to be on NPR, National Public Radio. And uh, there were these two guys, man from New York, and they'd be like, welcome to Car Talk. You talk about your cars. And they would just, it was hilarious, man. They would just chat and chat. So anyways, uh, they you know, eventually they'd get around to taking calls and talking to people about their, you know, is it your starter? Is it your, you know, whatever, um, alternator? And they would, people would call in, and, and a lot of times it'd be like some woman, single mom calling in, did my mechanic rip me off type of deal, but yeah, so he said it was kind of like car talk, but church planning. It's a homework assignment for you. Nice. I dig it. I like it. So I was talking to one of the guys um, last night who's coming. Um, he's organizing this particular tour. These are urban, urban church planning students from Missouri. And the time before, it was Western Seminary. So I, I don't, I don't even know where Western is. I think it's up in Portland. But uh, anyway, so I was talking to the guy last night, and he, he called me up and said, "Hey, you, you said something about maybe meeting Reuben Young and uh, going to San Pedro." And so I said, "Well, yeah, you know, that's cool." And and so we had it all arranged, and I chatted with him, and I he said, "What time are you going to meet?" And so, well, Ruben said he could meet you at three. And to be honest, I would probably meet Ruben at three if I were you. Because where he's going to take you, you probably don't want to be after dark. He's going to take you into the project. And so I told him a little bit of Ruben's history, a little bit of what Ruben grew up in, a little bit of his, his family background. And I just said, you know, um, this, is, this is the real deal now. You're going to go from chairborne to airborne. Like, if you've read books about urban church planning, that's one thing. That's chairborne church planning, right? But Reuben is airborne, right? Totally different scenario. So I go, it's about to get real. You, you just you just might 
want to meet him at three. I'm just saying, you probably don't want to have dinner first and then go down for a night visit into the projects with Ruben. So that was that was that was a funny conversation. Now, where is he from? <laughs> this this uh, church planner is he from the LA area or is he at a school? No, no, these guys here? are from Missouri. No, they're from Missouri. Wow. So are they out just to to visit urban churches or, or what's the deal? Yeah. So they're out to visit um, L.A. church planning. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that uh, L.A. is the most ethnically diverse city yeah. in the world. Yeah. And uh, the population of L.A., it's, it's, it's apparently um, more people are concentrated in L.A. than anywhere else. So Even New uh, York? It's, apparently. Apparently. I was just reading some statistics that Send had supplied. And... Uh, California, there's more people in California for uh, square mile. I mean, it's it's crazy, man. I think California alone has 12% of the United States population. Just Southern California. 12%. Speaking of which, crazy. I can't wait for the San Andreas movie to come out where California basically falls into the ocean. That's I'm longing oh. for that day myself. Movie podcast, man. Movie podcast. You know, I'm going to be swallowed right up into the ocean. I'm like right on the ocean. That's, I should mention, uh, that was actually part two of uh, what we started down. You know, we were talking about doing the Bible Church Planning Podcast. And the second podcast that you and I are talking about is doing a, a movie review podcast from a gospel standpoint, bringing the gospel out of all the movies. And yeah. um, we never got to what that part of the conversation. What we have to talk about that yeah. We'd have no smack talk after that. We we just show up. Hey Pete, what's up? Nothing. Are you any uh, any alternative lifestyle biker movies? No, not recently. No. So Brandon Brooks was in a uh, rapper video. One of our listeners who uh, has has uh, prominently had cameos on this show a couple times. He came by uh, to my house a few weeks ago. He was in a rapper video. Played a wife beater. He played the white white trash. You know what's funny guy. is um, I could see him as a wife beater. I know. Okay, I mean, not like me, physically uh, as a wife, but like he's got the look. He can pull off that look quite well. And what's funny is he was on a major uh, television show that um, he played like the uh, the the always dorky high guy. Not dorky, but you know, like the surfer dude, the the high guy. And yeah, uh, but yeah, you could totally see him as a wife beater when he when he. He's got he's got a great range of acting ability. Let's put it like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey man, we're uh, we're, we're probably heading into the time we're going to talk about today's topic. Now, I do have to say for those of you that aren't from California, I am heading into a canyon, and that is what people often say when they want to get off the phone. But I'm actually really heading into a canyon. So you're I saying you might get disconnected, and the podcast might have uh, an interruption. Absolutely. You know, that's you that's fine, just... because if that happens, I'll actually just repeat our sponsorship, which, by the way, I need to hit on right now. The Church Planner Podcast yes, is I am. brought to you by MoGive. M-O-G-I-V. Why, yes, I have been, Pete. I just thought I'd answer first this time before you ask the question. <laughs> I'm like, what? what did I miss? What did I miss? Peyton, let me ask you something. Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? Uh, yes. 
will stop it. A better solution is here. MoGiv, and that's spelled... Uh, M-O-G-I-V. No E. No E. Just M-O-G-I-V. Dot com. I should actually have their commercial out in front of me before I start down it, shouldn't I? Dot com. I like that. That was new. I wasn't, I, I wasn't expecting that. That was a uh, that's a throwback to Yahoo. Peyton, let me ask you something. Have you been wanting to get your church started with online giving? Yes. Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder like the Impact Church in Whittier has been? Yes. Stop it. A better solution is here. MoGive, wait, spelled. Wait, we just did this. I know. I'm redoing it, baby. I'm redoing it. Oh, okay. All right. MoGive, spelled. M-O-G-I-V. Wow, you're really delayed on the spelling here. What's up? You're supposed to sing it. Sing it out, baby. Let's hear those pipes. I Right at the moment you did that, I was going through, and it was zapping my fast pass. And that always scares me a bit. I always think I got a ticket because it flashes just like you went through a red light. Not that I would know that. Spelled M-O-G-I-V is an online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. Go to mogive.com forward slash church. To learn more. No, I will. So, uh, Peyton. I'm going to do it today. Let me give you a little Doc Brown. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. (laughs) That actually sounds like Murray, the father on the Goldbergs. I would have to take your word for that. I haven't seen that show. You have to see it. I swear to you, Andrew and I watched the Goldbergs. And we, I I said to Andrew this week, why does Murray remind me of Pete? And she goes, I know. She goes, I think that every time I watch a show. So you have to watch a Goldberg. Murray is the dad. I, uh, I just read the Bible. Identical dad. Uh, I just read the Bible. I'm sorry. So. And watch Pacific Rim uh, you, and World War Z. You son of a Baptist minister. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's go ahead and uh, start. And we will. Okay. So today's topic, right? I guess I should kind of hit that out. I was actually going to have you introduce today's topic, and I forgot to tell you what it was. But today's topic is actually the report that came out about the rise of the nuns. And by nuns, I don't mean like, you know, women wearing habits, devoting their lives to the mother church. I mean nuns as in the people who now claim no religious affiliation. Oh, interesting. So, So they're saying... You know, and this has been going on for, you know, a couple of years um, where there is a, a group of people when they go to affiliate themselves on a census or on a, say, you know, whenever someone takes a survey, they'll put themselves as none, right? They'll pick the none box as no religious affiliation. So they're called the nuns, and there is statistically there was a kind of a landfall of these things. Um, when when the last census was done, it, it, a huge number, particularly of young people, um, had said they had no religious affiliation, which in generations previous, you would click non-denominational, Methodist, Catholic, whatever. So that's the phenomenon. And what's happened in the last few years is the nuns, there's been books written on the nuns, there's been magazine articles written on the nuns. And of course, once somebody grabs hold of this, and particularly the church, the church grabs hold of it, it's all they talk about for a while. 
everybody talks about it. You sound real cutting edge mentioning it. You, you know, you talk about the nuns, the nuns, the nuns, the rise of the nuns. And then, but nobody talks about what to do about it. You know, what are you going to do? But so it, it, it's very in vogue right now to kind of sound in the know about the nuns and to be, you know, the nuns, the rise of the nuns. We must face this problem with the nuns. Anyways, uh, New York Times posted an article and the article uh, kind of statistically bore out um, what people have been saying for a while. And that is that the nuns are an issue. In fact, the problem is getting worse. So from 2007 until the recent survey done, um, the recent survey, I believe it was done. Oh, shoot. I can't remember who did it. Um, I just posted a blog about it. All the facts are on there. But um, what they found was that uh, there has been an 8% increase in America's population. So 8% of American citizens now claim that's been a rise in the last seven years of people claiming to be nuns. That's almost 10% of our population. That is a huge number. And so, you know, it, it's a massive um, decline in people associating with churches. And so this is relevant to the church planner because what church plans really excel in is going after the, non, the unchurch. So for me, when I read a report like that, I don't get discouraged because I don't really function within the realm of the established church. For me, I'm like, oh, cool. You know, the harvest feels bigger, right? These are people that I would reach. And these are people that, that I get excited about, right? Because they don't affiliate with, with anything. And so we all know that the, the vast majority of people out there consider themselves, yeah, that's the average person out there, um, the majority of people walking around believe that they are spiritual and they have a vague belief in God. We, it's actually a, a, a myth that the majority of people walking around out there are atheists. Most people are agnostic. They don't know. Um, they have their own opinions. They've seen lost. They may have read, you know, they may believe in theistic evolution. They may believe Spinoza's theory of the world. Same thing that Einstein believed, that there was a, a, a giant clockmaker. He wound it up. He let it go. He's not a personal force, you know. I mean, he's a, a, an impersonal force, not a personal being. But people out there tend to have some belief in God. But uh, anyway, so I want to talk about that today. And uh, if you guys want to refer to what I wrote on a blog, um, you go to newbreedchurchplanning.com, and you can read the, the blog that I wrote on this. And what I did is I quote a little bit of Church Zero, cha-ching, because uh, where I'm at with this whole thing is that, you know, we've got uh, people on one side that have been kind of like, you know, tinfoil hats and run around, the sky is falling, panicking over this. And then you've got other people on the other side, they're like, no, no, it's an exaggeration, you know, we, we, and, and even now, like, you know, the, the report came out, and there was a backlash. People from the church, including Ed Stetzer, who I deeply respect, um, you know, said, well, it's not that bad, really, because, and Ed, as you know, is very much an advocate to say that the church is not in decline in America, it's actually growing. So I want to talk about that and tease that out a little bit, kind of talk about where I think we're at and uh, what this means for church planners. Well, I'd be interested definitely to hear your thoughts on how you think it affects uh, church planners. My 
I, my take when I hear stuff like that is five or I'm sorry, eight percent of the population is just more honest than they were a few years ago. Because, um, and what I mean by that is, I think there are a lot of people who sit in churches or might claim a affiliation of one sort or another, and they're not saved. And um, I, I think there's a bigger problem of people that are in churches that are either not saved or um, are saved but are asleep at the wheel, so to speak. I'm right. so you know. I mean, and and of course, this is an American problem, right? This is not a a, a worldwide thing because you got other countries like, as we've talked about many a time on the show, the UK. Where um, I believe you said it's less than one percent of the population attends any church, um, w- no matter what kind of church it is. And uh, yeah. so, I mean, this is a, a very unique thing here to the to the U.S., which has this history, uh, you know, with uh, everything from the Pilgrims and everything else, um, you know, having a a Christian nation at one point. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I'm sure that that has to be. Part of the, the, the problem there. Um, and if it is even a problem, because if it's really a case of people being honest, then that's not a problem. That's actually a very good thing. We want people not to pretend to be something they're not. We want people to actually realize where they're at. That's a huge uh, place to be. So I agree with you. I don't think it's entirely a bad thing. Yeah, well, I mean, because if you think about it... Um what would you rather have someone who's like, Oh yeah, I'm a Christian because I go over here to this Calvary chapel, but has no relationship with God. You know, I think, I think back about a lot of the people that we've interviewed, you know, one of the the people that we interviewed was Jay Warner Wallace, who of course uh, has been on TV numerous times because he's a a cold case or was before he retired a cold case detective in Los Angeles. Um, He's been on Dateline many a times. In fact, I just watched him on Dateline, uh, you know, a couple of weeks back uh, for one of his cases where they solved the 30 year old uh, uh, murder mystery. And um, I believe it was him that when he first attended a church, you know, he was like, okay, well, you know, the service was kind of good. So I'll go ahead and, you know, I'll tip, you know, what would I pay for dinner in a movie? I'll put in 20 bucks when the offering bucket comes by. And, um, and I think there's a lot of people who are like that. Well, you know, you know, I go to church on Easter and Christmas, so yeah, I, I guess I'm Catholic. I go over there to that Catholic church. I guess I'm a, I'm a Calvary chaplain. I go over there to that Calvary church, uh, you know, twice a year. And it's not real. Like, they don't have a relationship with God yet, you know, which, by the way, right. if you don't know the story, Jay Warner Wallace, obviously, he, he comes to faith and uh, has a great book out right now called Cold Case Christianity in which he addresses yeah. uh, Christianity from uh, a cold case detective's point of view. You know, how do you prove uh, the Bible is is true? And, uh, and he actually approached, as part of his conversion, you know, his wife was going to church, and he was challenged as he's sitting in there to actually um, apply the same methods. He thought, well, you know, I'll debug this, and I'll apply the same methods you would to a cold case and see if it holds up or not, because that was his career. And yeah. when he applied the same methodology that he used to solve cold case files uh, to Christianity, to the accounts of Jesus, he was like, I think I solved this case, which resulted in, in a salvation. Right. <laughs> it was corny, huh? <laughs> well, but that's that's what Dumb it was. Dog. 
that's yeah. that's totally what it was. But my my point in all of that is is you know if if eight percent of the population is just being more honest because it's now politically okay to say you're an atheist or an agnostic or whatever, right? Whereas before in the past, as it is still in some parts of the country, it's not politically okay or it's not socially acceptable to say. Well, you know, I think what. Yeah, and I think what's happening is that, you know, what we don't realize, like with the Internet, people are saying, oh, with the Internet, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've moved on, we've become smarter, you know, we, we don't believe these, these things now that we have all this information. No, what's happening on the Internet is that people that are atheistic um, and, and have an axe to grind, we, we call them usually trolls, Internet trolls, people who troll against things. Um, that they're just very vocal. And so I think what, when, when you still, when you do a survey, you still find that the majority of people still have an openness to God. But what I think happens is the enemy wants to do people and have us believe that the majority of people are atheistic and completely mocking and turned off to God. And I don't think there's anything further from the truth. And so that's something to be aware of that even the, the phenomenon of the nuns, what what that is is it's it's a generation saying it's not that we're turned off to God and the idea of God whoever he she or it may be, but we just don't believe in what we're seeing in the church, and and I can work with that, you know. I mean, shoot, I you know as as a guy who would say I'm equally church reformer as I am church planner, I suppose the methodology of church reform would be three church planting. Not like Alan Hirsch says, if, if you want to, if you want a revolution, model the change that you want to see. Go be the change, which I think he was quoting Gandhi. But uh, the, the the deal is, is that you know, this this isn't a, a bad thing with the nuns because I get what the nuns are saying. I I understand when they walk into a church and it's a giant money making machine and they see the opulence and the finances and they go, well. What about the poor? You know, we're, we're raking in all this dough, but I don't see a lot going on here. That, you know, I, that's a valid concern that the, the church, the, the world has a right to question the church. I think that's the first thing that we need to understand. They have a right to ask us, are you living what you're saying? And so if they've, if they've turned away, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think for me as a church planner, what I want to do is connect them to God through the vehicle of church planting. And so I have the opportunity to completely reinvent everything um, when I'm planning a church and start in the middle ground of where they're at. I, I personally believe, and I've got an, an article coming out in Leadership Journal um, in the summer issue that has a, um, you know, they're talking about prayer. Um, spirituality and presence. And I, I talk on the topic of presence. And I mentioned that a lot of people that used to go to church have left because they are tired of, of watching the show and the performance up on stage. They want something interactive. Of course, this is the theme again from Church Zero, but it, it's just something that, that what they're really hungering for in the place point that I make in this article is that they're really hungering for an experience with God. 
And if what we're doing is trying to run a flashy show, then what's happening is people are not experiencing God. You'll know from Long Beach, that's our big deal, is we believe God is real. We try to get out of his way. He doesn't need us to embellish. All people need is simply him. If we're just preaching him, worshiping him, allowing interaction to happen so he can flow through the gift, then people come away having experienced God, having what, what the Puritans used to call the old reformers, right? I love the old reformers, man, because the old reformers used to talk about the felt presence of God. Modern day reform people view that with suspicion, that you would bring uh, feeling into it, that you would talk about what you feel. And that's actually a, a, a group of teachings called Sandemanianism. I know that's huge. It sounds like a, you know, a, a character in, in the Star Wars universe, uh, Sandemanian, but um, it, it actually, that was actually, that actually sounds like the hardest action figure to get back uh, when the Kenner line was out back in the 80s. I always wanted that dude. Remember him? He was like the little lizard salamander-looking dude that had like the staff with the skull on it. You're killing me. I have no me. idea where I am now. You're killing me. <laughs> but going back, it's called Sandemanianism, this idea that the truth is enough. You know, your feelings sometimes will deceive you. Your feelings will let you down. It's what First John talks about where he says, this is how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. For when our hearts condemn condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Uh, or God is able himself to, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm screwing up the verse, but it says, for God is greater than our hearts. So your hearts and your experiences are not the measuring stick, but the, the experiences and your heart do matter. That's why God made you as not just an intellectual being, but an emotional being as well. So, so my point is, is that, yes, the, the experience of God is not everything, but at the same time, um, people need to experience God. And uh, you hardly ever have a conversion experience or anything meaningful that happens in your life that is not experiential, including your interaction with the truth. So, so my point is the self-presence of Christ, I would say that many people are hungering for that, and because they don't have that, they've left the church. Right? They've, they've just been like, look, I, I thought I, the one place on earth I would come to experience God would be church. And that's the one, that's the one place I don't experience it. Maybe I go down to the beach or I go to the high Sierras or I go somewhere else and I experience God in nature. I experienced God when my baby was born. Right? People have spiritual experiences outside of church, but when they go to church, if what we're doing is not what the Holy Spirit is trying to do, A, glorify Christ, and A, uh, B, uh, bring people into the presence of God, which I believe that that is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do, then people will go to church and they will not experience God. So when we come to this idea of the nuns as well, um, one of the things that, you know, like I said, it's not time to put your tinfoil hat on and run around screaming. But it's also not time to cry out peace, peace, when there is no peace. Some of the backlash, including something that Exponential posted, was to say, no, no, it's not all that bad. And here's why. Now, one of the, the statistics quoted was a growing church in the South. Well, okay, churches are declining in the South. But I have to tell you, the South is miles behind New York and Los Angeles and, in fact, Seattle, and, and in fact, almost any major city in America, um, the South is not representative of where American culture is at. 
Duck Dynasty does not reflect the cultural hubs of America. And so I think we need to understand that as awesome as that is, that there are pockets in America. And I, I mean, I got to tell you, you know, the South gets a, a bad rap a lot for all the hypocrisy and sure it's all there, but Hey, that's cool that their culture is still talking about it, but that is not representative. So when I hear people quoting the South as well, this church group, it doesn't do it for me. And even if they acknowledge, well, look, we're declining too. Yes, but it's not the same. What we're talking about in general is nationwide, right? And 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 so what what I said back in Church Zero, they made me dumb it. They made me water it down a bit, mute it, because they said, look, um, you know, American Britain publishers don't want to talk about Britain. They want to talk about what's in America. And of course, what I did, I I wrote this section back in 2010, five years ago. Uh, I wrote about the decline in America because I would come back every year. I would notice that the the population within the church, just the youth was, had significantly dropped. I would look around and not notice any youth. And I would kind of be like, wow, you know, most of the people in here are over 30 or 40. There's not young adults here. There's not the, the life on the edge crowd. Those that are diving into their careers and starting families or still in college or, you know, young entrepreneurs, those guys aren't here. And I realized back then that this is happening. What happened in Britain and in Britain in the 1950s, the chapels, the churches, they were packed. My mentor, Peter Jeffrey used to say he could walk out in the street, start open air preaching and people would come out of their houses in lawn chairs and sit and listen back in the sixties. Well, then when the sexual revolution came in the, in the, in the late 60s, everything changed. And it, it took 10 years for things to, to change to the point where for the next 10 years, there was irreparable damage being done. And the reason why is because when the young people start leaving the church, nobody notices at first because the numbers are still big. And as long as the numbers are still big, as long as the crowds are still there, then the leadership doesn't panic because it doesn't affect the time. It doesn't affect the finances. It doesn't affect the church's ability to function as a machine. But given enough time, what happens is the church, uh, by the time that they, the church starts really noticing is when the older generation, those middle-aged people, that years ago, you know, 10, 20 years ago, were 40. When the decline started, they were 40, but now they're 60. Now they're retirement age. And not only that, now they're getting cancer. The attrition rate has really started. Now people are starting to die off. And so the, the church is literally dying because the bulk of the population of the church is old people or older, silver-haired people, right? What we call the grippers. And, uh, and so now when those guys are dying off, now the numbers are shrinking, but it's 20 years later that it's noticed. Does that make sense? It does. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and by then you've got a 20 year generation gap that's occurred in the church to the point where the culture of the church now is 20 years in the past from where the world culture is. They don't even know how 
to gain that ground back. And so a lot of times those church churches die because they're just so out of touch. They, they wouldn't, they, they, if they suddenly got panicky and the pastor said, man, we got to go do something. He gets the guy up on stage in the Hawaiian shirt with the karaoke microphone to lead song for the congregation. And, you know, kind of like the old school Baptist churches and <laughs> visitors just go, what in the heck did we just, is, is this the Andy Griffin show or something? You know, it, it, it just is irreparable. I think part of that that problem stems from how we how we gauge our success. You know, um, if we've got a church that we gauge our success, well, you know, we were at a hundred people, now we're at hundred and fifty. We're doing good. Yeah. Not not con- converts, right? We're just talking about okay. Well, now we got hundred and fifty who are coming, and they're tithing, right? I get my income. I get paid every week. I, I've got I've got an income coming in. Your eyes are on the wrong thing, right? Because of this, it, it, it for us it's a very cultural way that we're doing the church here, in the sense that the full time ministry. I mean, we've talked about it before on the show. You talked about um, Hugh Halter brought up in his book, which I haven't read yet, but I believe you did. I think it was it was either Bivo or Flesh, uh, which. Uh, you mentioned that he talked about the fact that the ones who should have a full-time paycheck are the ones that are training yeah. others to go out. Yeah. Yeah. That's in Bivo. Yeah. I thought that was uh, in, in Bivo. And, um, but that's not the way we do things, you know, in America, you know, we got yeah. a whole, uh, all these people coming out of seminary who are like looking for a job, right? You know, I want to serve yeah. God, but I'm looking for a job to serve God. You know, give, give me yeah. that job. And church planning is so difficult that when guys start it and try it and fail, it's like, oh, well, you know, I I tried it. I failed. I got to find someone who will give me a job. Yeah. And, and we see that all the time in church planning, all the time. I mean, one of the key characteristics of entrepreneurs is they can rapidly go from failure to failure to failure to failure and not give up. And they don't, yes. it doesn't take them forever to do it, right? It's like, okay, yep. crap, I failed. No problem. Go on to the next one. Ah, oh, failed. Go on to the next one. Ah, oh, failed. Go on. To, okay, good. That one work, worked, right? And it's like that ability to go from failure to failure to failure uh, before okay. it finally takes off for them. And the church planner kind of has to have a little bit of that and be okay with yes. failing at a church plant. But I, I'm just, the point that I'm trying to get at, Peyton, is I think. In our churches, we have just our eyes set on the wrong thing, right? I've got my job. Yeah. I'm safe. Yeah, I'm going to train everyone. I'm going to get them to go out. But it's like, I'm going to get them to do it, right? I'm going to get them to yeah. go out. And we're not willing to do it ourselves. I don't know if my point makes any sense. I'm trying to convey it, makes it off a the lot top of, of my sense head. Because it's the, no, it's, it's the difference between, for example, going where, uh, going where, people are versus expecting people to come to you. They're not going to come to your church plan. The nuns are not coming. Okay. And, and this is, this is what I want for people to understand about this, these dynamics. The nuns don't see the need for church. They don't have religious affiliation. So they're not going to see your letterbox come through the door and go, Oh, really a a new church. I, I think I'll go check it out. 
the challenge for the church planner is the same challenge the church has had throughout the ages, and that is you have to go and get them. You notice that Jesus never started a church service, nor did Paul. What did Paul do? He went into the marketplace and he got them. He went to the hubs. He went to the places where people were, where they were doing business, where they were doing life, where they were already at. And Paul found ways to infiltrate, whether it was Mars Hill or the local synagogue or a group of women praying by the water or the marketplace or uh, in the place uh, where uh, uh, people were talking about the gods, you know, Diana of the Ephesians, wherever people were at doing their thing, that's where church planners should be found. And I mentioned on the Banner Brothers call, which was absolutely phenomenal yesterday for jump school. Um, it, it was, I, I, I was on a high by the end of that call, just with the questions and the interactions and guys telling us about their church plants. And the, the deal was that, you know, I mentioned that I'm reading right now through uh, the life of DL Moody. And what always strikes me is in times where the church is stuck and the church has been stuck many times and the church is stuck now. And, and what, what the church woke up to that report this week is, yes, in fact, we are becoming like Britain. People don't want to admit it. You got your people that are freaking out saying we're doomed. Well, yeah, you're doomed if you keep doing what you're doing. Like, like what Einstein said, if you want the same results, just keep doing what you're doing. If you want different results, you're going to have to do something different. And if you want different results, if you want to go get the nuns, then you are going to need to uh, go out and go get them because they're not coming. And so, you know, in, in every age of the church, including D.L. Moody, right? Um, D.L. Moody goes out during the time of the Civil War. I didn't know this. He was a Civil War chaplain uh, working in Chicago, uh, staying back, dealing with guys that came back, shell-shocked, dealing with wounded guys. Um, and he decided uh, just because, you know, no one had ever asked him to do anything in, in ministry. He decided to just start something for the local derelict kids that were hanging out in this, this vacant lot, uh, called little hell. And there was an old railway car that wasn't being used because a lot of you guys know that the, the meatpacking industry of Chicago, uh, Upton Sinclair wrote the jungle about it. It was, it was the meat packing distribution center for the country. And so the railroads, it was kind of like the Rome, all, all tracks led to, to Chicago. And so, you know, there was this old derelict train car and uh, Moody took it over and just started, you know, humping and stalling, uh, stomping and hollering and wooting and, you know, having this, uh, th- this singing thing that was going on. And then he would teach him the Bible. It was actually another guy teaching the Bible. But Moody was really good at connecting with people. He was an entrepreneur. He made about $200,000 a year by today's equivalent. had about $650,000 in the bank uh, by the time he uh, went into full-time ministry. And, but he just said, no one ever asked me to do anything in the church. So I, just, I went outside and I just started doing stuff. Once he started gathering people and learning how to go after people, his Sunday school class, by the time he founded the YMCA, and by the time he, uh, the Young Men's Christian Association, and by the time he went into, quote, full-time Christian ministry outside of the church, mind you, um, to go after the lost, 
he had a Sunday school of 1,500 people. And Abraham Lincoln actually came and visited it because it was such a phenomenon. And here was a guy that when he started out, he wasn't teaching. He was just literally going and getting people. And, uh, and, and, and all that brings me back to, guys, this report is good news for church planners. This is good news because this tells us that there is 8% more of the population right for church planners if church planners will go out and get them. So things like, uh, like what you do with the MMA magazine, Josh Boyd going into the, the, you know, the fighting arena, the MMA arena and going, I'm going to go after these people. And boom, he does. You know, he goes and reaches them. He reaches them outside of the, the, the four walls of the church. Every time the church has gotten stuck and had significant breakthroughs, it's been because guys have done things outside the box, like the forward movement chapels in Wales. Uh, back in the turn of the century, in the 1890s, there was a group of guys, and this the church that I served at, Lloyd-Jones's church, was part of the Ford Movement. There were eight Ford Movement chapels started in South Wales. Funny enough, they started around fighting and boxing, because guys were into fighting, drinking, and gambling. They didn't come home at night. They would work in the steel mills or the coal mines. Wales has always been a rough place, and then they would uh, go and, and go to you know, prize fights or pubs or whatever, and just drink all night and uh, fight each other. And so these guys started their own boxing matches. And during the boxing matches, they would preach. And one of the guys would say, hey, I'll take on anyone here. And if I win, you all in the crowd have to listen to what I'm going to say. And he would preach and people would get converted. And so the church is like the sleeping giant that if it would just stop panicking at these reports and actually see these as an incentive to do what we're called to do, then this would be good news and not bad news. And I'm sorry, man, I'm on a rant. It's been a long time since I've been on a rant. Right. I get it, man. I totally get it. And uh, like I said, for me, it's, it's great. 8% of the population is just being more honest than they were whenever they took the last census for that. You know? Yeah. Because I, I, yeah. I honestly, I, that's the problem that I see. We've got churches that aren't preaching the gospel, and we got people who are going to churches who don't believe in the gospel. So if eight percent of them finally just own up and say, you know what, I'm not a part of any of this, then they're finally being honest. And like you said, I'd rather have someone who's honest because then I know how to reach them. Yeah, can't reach Absolutely. you if you if you claim to believe something you really don't. You know, how am well, I going to approach and, you? And it's great. Yeah, and it's great that the world's being honest, but what we really need at this stage is we need the church to be honest. We need the church to be honest and to say, yeah, you know, that shouldn't threaten us because we were always meant to be a forward movement, a forward-leaning movement. If we had apostles, prophets, and evangelists, you know, that three-to-five ratio, where three or three-to-two ratio in a five-man team, where, you know, we're, we're front-loaded to be outward thinking and outward reaching, then we really start to have the impact. That was the passion behind Church Zero. Cha-ching! And so for me, when I saw this report, I'm like, well, that just makes, you know, Church Zero all the more prophetic because, I, you know, I've been warning about this. We are heading the way of Britain, not because I'm some weird conspiracy theorist or I'm panicked. It's because I lived 12 stinking years in Britain and I've been ministering in a culture where the nuns are nothing new. That's not new, guys. It's not a new phenomenon. It's just that because we live in America, 
we tend to think that because it's new here, like it's never happened anywhere. I don't know. I don't know if you, if you've noticed that with America, like we, we tend to, to only think within, you know, what happens here. If I live in Britain, I watch world news. I'm watching on the nightly news what's happened in Africa, what's happened in Russia, what's happened in China. Uh, it's world news. That's how they think. In America, you just hear about what Obama did or, you know, what, what you know, the riot that happened at the Walmart in, in somewhere. But you don't hear about what's going on in the world unless it directly affects America. Oh, well, over here, ISIS is doing that. That's the only world news you ever get. So we don't tend to know our history and our current events. But guys, this happened in Britain. And, you know, after ministering in Britain, that's that's part of why I've dedicated the last four years of my life trying to equip American church planters because I see church planting as the answer to this issue, as the answer to this problem. And 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 so for me, as as others are seeing as bad news, I'm seeing as good news because I don't just think it's enough to talk about the problem. I actually know what we got to do because I spent 12 years immersed in that kind of ministry and the last four years doing the same kinds of things in urban Long Beach. But with that said, I'm actually at my destination and my team's waiting for me. So I got to go. Actually, we're (laughs) at the end of the time. So let's just uh, finish up by saying that this episode was also brought to you by Simplified Church. And Simplify Church is a great service that you can find over there at simplifychurch.com that they will handle all of your payroll, all of your bookkeeping. They will make it nice and easy and painless to do your church plant. We use them not only at our church plant, we also use them for uh, New Breed, which is Peyton's uh, sending organization. And uh, it's actually just a phenomenal service that they've got for uh, just a, a, a mere fraction of what it would cost for you to actually pay someone to do all of your bookkeeping, all of the tax stuff that you've got to do. So go ahead and go over there to simplifychurch.com and check them out. And Peyton, why don't you close us out? Hey, this has been Peyton Jones on the Church Planner Podcast reminding you hey, if you want hey, to reach one, hey, go and reach it. Hey, hey, been what? Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell. What am I, huh? What am I? This has been, how about this, top billing. This has been Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones, his little buddy, <laughs> talking to you about reaching the loss. And remember, if you want to reach the loss, Reach ones no one's reaching, but see, you threw me off. You need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.